It's been said that Christian music sucks. On The Antidote, we dispel that myth as we explore the artistry of Christian bands. Listen to in-depth interviews and music from these faith-based groups. For unique and innovative music ranging from metalcore to indie folk, you'll hear it all on The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. Wednesdays at 9 on Trent Radio, 92.7 FM, Peterborough. Is real. 
Aaron Sprinkle gave us really something from his amusingly titled solo album, Lackluster. While Sprinkle performs his own music, his talents are really best known in the recording studio. This mega producer, musician, and songwriter joins the antidote to share his thoughts on music. We'll look at Aaron Sprinkle's own musical career with the band's Fair, Poor Old Lou, and his solo efforts. But we're also going to feature just a few of the 100-plus projects that Aaron has produced. And these artists come from a really wide range of genres. Now, it's too bad that we only have an hour to discuss both the art and music from uh, this really talented guy. But you'll also be able to find the complete interview later on at theantidoteradio.com. Okay, enough chatting about what's coming up. Let's head into the first portion of the interview with Aaron Sprinkle. A music producer's expertise and insight can take an artist to a whole new level. One of the best-known producers in the business is undoubtedly Aaron Sprinkle. Aaron, thanks for joining in with The Antidote. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. For those who aren't aware, can you give us a rundown as to what the duties of a record producer are? Well, that is a really good question. Um, I get asked that quite a bit from people, or I have been over the years, and uh, it really varies depending on the project, for one thing. But really, the main thing is, as a producer, I am responsible for the record, especially if anything goes wrong. It's definitely my <laughs> fault. Uh, if things go right, there's a lot of people waiting to take credit for it. But uh, if they go wrong, <laughs> kind of the buck stops here. So for me, what that looks like, you know, there's traditionally there's a lot of different ways that people produce. I tend to be, from what I've seen and heard about and experienced myself as an artist, I tend to be more along the hands-on side of things. Um, I'm a recording engineer and a musician and a songwriter. And really, it's kind of me taking those three things and bringing them together with the artists that I'm working with. And all, all I'm really trying to do, for the most part, is help the band or the artist I'm working with achieve their vision or their goal or our vision or goal, too, depending. I mean, I usually share the vision with them, but... You know, I see them as the client. For me, it's a thing that just happened naturally. It's something I, I love and I just do it. So breaking it down and, and describing it's really interesting uh, for me to kind of process. But for me, I'll, I can tell you what it is. It's everything from working with the band on getting a song ready to record to, you know, deciding if the kick drum sounds right for that song or moving a mic or, you know, holding something in a certain way so it sounds a certain way while the band plays it or whatever, you know, just anything that I have to do to make the end product be what we all want it to be.
for all their dedicated fans. That was New Life, New Life from Starflyer 59. Do you ever find that bands sort of have a skewed concept of what they're trying to achieve? Yeah, it, it's funny because a ton of what I do is not musical. It's it's psychological, especially with a singer or it, really anybody, a drummer, a guitar player, whatever. Uh, what I want is their best performance. And in order for them to, to give me their best performance, they have to be in the right mindset. And usually the trouble that I run into in that particular area is with younger bands or bands that haven't you know, made a record or worked with a producer before. Because you always have an idea of what something's going to look like before you walk into it. That's just how we're wired as people. And so sometimes a band will come in and they have this idea of what it's going to look like and it's very different. And then they're kind of like, what's going on? But for the most part, I think even if their expectations are different from how it ends up turning out, I haven't really had experiences where people were unhappy with the process or the end result for the most part. I mean, obviously... I've been doing this a long time and have made hundreds of records, so there's exceptions <laughs> for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thrown your hands up in the air and said, that's it, I can't do anything with this band? In Inside of my head, I have done that many <laughs> times. But, <laughs> I mean, I've definitely gotten in situations with bands. It's, again, pretty rare, but there has been situations where I was really going to stand my ground on a particular issue, and so were they, and we butt heads, and we have to kind of agree to disagree, and someone has to bow out at that point. But I've been really fortunate, especially in the last 10 or 12 years, to work with people that I'm really excited about working with and people that I've had a chance to get excited with before even entering the studio um, mm -hmm. and to ch really choose, you know, who I work with and why I'm, I'm going to work with them. It's one of my goals is to avoid that situation completely of where I have to say I can't do anything with you. You know, we have to just be done. So I've managed to avoid that, at least at least for the last 10 or 12 years. <laughs> and Berlin was in Toronto just a couple of weeks ago where they featured an acoustic version of this hit track, Paper Thin Hymn. Never seen so long Central paper hearts are beating 
counter to that last question, which of your efforts are you most proud of? That That's also a tough question. I mean, there's different things I like about different records I've worked on, you know, all the way from, you know, just being there and getting to be involved with Pedro the Lion's control record was mm-hmm. such a, it's just such an amazing memory. And I feel, you know, David and I go way back and I've known him since he was a little kid, like 14 or 15 and just learning so much from him in that process and just kind of getting to be there. And I love that record, and I can listen to that record as a fan. There's a a record I did called Phantoms with a band Acceptance um, that is still one of my favorites I've ever worked on. That was just one of those records where everything clicked. There wasn't all the ideas that were bouncing around were in harmony with each other, and it worked out really well. There's a couple records I've done that I always bring up when asked this question, and that's uh, Joan Zetta's second record called Cruel to Be Young, which is just one of my favorite records I've ever had the pleasure of working on and is one that I listen to and really kind of am amazed that I was there working on that, too. It's a really unknown record, but it's one of my favorites. And uh, another unknown is, is a record by an artist named Corey Crowder. Oh, yeah. Called uh, Gold uh, and Sand. And um, that's a really good one, too. But I'm also always the most excited about whatever is the newest thing that I'm working on (laughs) as well. So, Well, you brought up the topic. So what is the latest project? Um, Right now, I am pretty much just working on finishing my solo record that I've been trying to finish for almost two years now. Um, mainly due to an injury that I had in December. I slipped and fractured my ankle and uh, dislocated it as well and had to have surgery and still haven't been able to walk on it since then. And uh, so I've been kind of a little bit secluded. I can't drive and I can't walk. (laughs) So um, I moved some of the gear from my uh, studio home and have been working on Pretty much just working on finishing up my solo record. And it's been really cool. It's been a cool opportunity for me to be able to focus on it. Um, Because the reason my own music always takes so long to finish is because I'm working on other people's stuff. And I just get little chunks of time here and there to do it. I've got some stuff coming up that I'm really excited about that's going to come out uh, this year. I got to work on uh, a few tracks on the new Reliant K record that I'm really, really excited Mm. about. And... uh, I have a song that I did with a band called One Republic that's coming out um, next week. That's pretty much all I have really coming up. What you were saying before is that basically it takes a major injury for you to have time to work on your own music. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never really thought of it that way, but I guess so, yeah. Washing your 
an artist who needs to be put on your must-listen-to list. How about we go back and talk about, you brought up Joan Zetta. Yeah. Now, I gotta admit, I first heard Joan Zetta prior to the band being signed to Tooth and Nail, Mm -hmm. and I was telling everybody that Joan Zetta was gonna be the next great band in indie rock. Mm -hmm. You know, I really felt that tracks, you know, as they recorded as an independent, were really significantly better than the sort of lackluster uh, release popularity. Yeah. But then, so you took over the reins as producer on the next album on Cruel to Be Young. Yeah. So what kind of change happened on that album? The band came to me with just a new vision of what they wanted to do. I think they felt like they kind of had done a thing and kind of got pigeonholed, you know. Mm-hmm. And when they kind of had a couple years and they looked back and they were like, we don't really want to do that. We want to do this. Um, and then we made that record. You know, I just kind of was like, cool, let's do it, you know. And their fans, I don't know. People didn't respond very well to it because it really sounded like a different band. And maybe they should have even changed the name of the band. Maybe that would have been a really good idea (laughs) to just rebrand the whole thing, you know. It was significantly different. Yeah, but it was them. I mean, really what they wanted. I mean, they came to me with a very clear vision of what they wanted to do. And um I just had a blast helping them realize it and being a part of it. Here we go. Joan Zetta was sick in the teeth from Cruel to be Young. Shut it off. 
about your producing role i was talking with ryan clark of demon hunter just Mm -hmm. a few weeks back and he told me that you've been asked by other metal bands to be their producer but your response has always been i don't produce metal yeah so what's the special connection between you and demon hunter that you will produce their music i mean i think the band wants to adopt you yeah (laughs) well that there's some real um deep connections with them i mean ryan and don when he was in the band um and even pat and yogi i mean and my brother was in the band at one point um but you know they're really good friends like ryan is a very good friend of mine and uh I don't know. I just I have a connection with him on a musical, artistic sort of level, really outside of anything metal. His um, taste in music is just incredible and diverse. And he's somebody that I kind of even go to sometimes like, what what are you listening to right now? What's what's cool? What what's going to be the next big thing that no one's heard of yet? And um, I think the fact that what he wants me to do on those records is really fun for me and and it's fun for me too to kind of learn about the metal thing because i'm not i'm not really a metal guy at all and uh mm-hmm. i mean i grew up hearing it and listen my brother's a total metal guy so i i heard it all the time and <laughs> i i experienced it but there's something different about those records to me there's something really fun and exciting i have a blast making those records and there's challenges that i really love about getting the record to sound the way that that they want it to sound is a challenge for me and it's exciting but then the stuff that they you know they love like i you know i do all of the programming and the keys and you know ryan really trusts me with you know the the melodic vocals to be there for for that kind of stuff and uh just overall kind of production making sure the song is in a format that will stay true to what they're trying to do but also be something maybe even a little bit more of a, a broad demographic than a typical metal song would have 
So that's fun for me. I love pushing the limits of anything, trying to stay in the box, but just really push the limits of that box. Regulars to the Antidote heard an hour-long feature on Demon Hunter a few weeks back, but their music always bears another listen. And here's a track for a new listener to the Antidote, Todd Weir of Beaumont, Texas. Enjoy My Destiny.
What about Christian musicians? Do you find they often get sandwiched into a box, into something that's pre-expected and can't branch out of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think culturally and, I mean, the, the business of it goes hand in hand with the culture, but... There's definitely, you know, expectations, which, but that's changed so much since I started, you know, playing Christian music as in a band in the early 90s. That whole thing has changed. And Tooth and Nail has a ton to do with that to me, like almost the most to do with how that's changed. You know, in the in the straight up, like kind of contemporary Christian music world, it's definitely a lot different from that. The Christian side that I've spent most of the time working in is, is different than that. But, um... But still, you know, there's still expectations, I mean, of what can and can't be said or done. But I think musically, anything goes nowadays. I mean, I think you could do whatever. Why I do what I do is about people. The reason I love music is because it connects with people. People connect to each other through it, and I get to connect to people through it. And the people that I get to work with on these records become my best friends, like my dearest friends. Honestly, I can't think of any really close friends that I have that haven't been a result of music. And I happen to be a Christian, and that's the most important thing to me in my whole life. And so I'm naturally going to connect with other people within the music scene that share those same feelings. And uh, I love the community of it. That's the thing that's the most exciting to me. It is cool that way. The connection between bands just of varying genres and styles and because they are Christians, yeah, they make that special connection. Yeah. Even with myself and going to Cornerstone and hanging around with guys that are 20 and <laughs> yeah, you're totally accepted just because, yeah, you're another Christian, you're another music fanatic yep. and why not? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it's such a cool thing. I mean, I could go into pretty heavy into my kind of theology about music and art and stuff, but... um then do so. This is actually a good part of the show is that we actually try to discuss, yeah, the connection between faith and art in music, because sometimes music doesn't have a lot of art. Yeah, and I and the thing I love about music is I love crafting an infectious pop song just as much as I like doing something really outside the box and artistic. And to me, it's all art because it's all expression and it's all connecting with something that's in all of us that attracts all of us. And I, I really think that it is just a direct result of us being made in the image of God and that he is the ultimate creator and creative. And he put that in us for us to enjoy and because he enjoys it. And it's a way that we can connect with each other. When I'm working with a band, there's no better feeling to me in the studio than when something clicks and something comes together, whether it's me helping the band, um, you know, uh, see a vision to fruition or it's an idea that I had. And then they get so excited and they just are like, you know, bouncing off the walls. And I mean, that to me is the most exciting thing ever, you know, when I'm working. And uh, that is that connection of creativity because that get, that's it's infectious. If we're excited about it, if we're having fun making it, people are going to have fun listening to it, and it's going to connect them with the joy and love of God. That's how I look at it. I mean, we're here for uh, among other things to enjoy what God has given us and created for us, and and, and to enjoy each other. And music is just to me one of the best ways to do that.
rock of poor old Lou with My World Falls Down. Well, let's go back to the old days of Aaron Sprinkle. Mm Mm-hmm. Your first really big shot at music was with Poor Old Lou, which recorded back through the 90s. Yep. Now, the band had a really devoted, almost fanatical following, but commercially it never really took off. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, when I, at the time, you know, I was a teenager and in my early 20s and, you know, just thought every day, maybe today we're going to blow up and be the next big thing. But looking back on it, we didn't have anything that would have necessarily worked on a big scale. I feel like I can talk about Poor Old Lou from a completely objective point of view because it was so long ago, I don't even really remember it that well. <laughs> so I can't really take <laughs> any credit for it right now. But I think the cool thing about what we did is we ended up being a band that seems that, like like you said, has a really devoted following. We didn't just have a song that people knew and they're like, who was that band? Oh, yeah. Our, our fans knew every word of every song that we ever did. And there's something really special about that. And also seemed to have a lot of fans that were other musicians. And that's also something that I really cherish, you know, and uh, just feel really blessed to have been an, a part of. You know, people say that we were influential and that we were ahead of our time and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know about that, but... What I do know is that that music that we made then and the experiences we had were part of our journey to where we are today, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. You know, I wouldn't be here right now getting to do what I do if it wasn't for that. Okay, let's draw it a little closer to today's age. Your band Fair is also highly regarded. You know, you've done a pair releases, the best worst case scenario and disappearing world. Mm -hmm. What's the future of Fair? Well, I don't know for sure. We did start talking this fall about doing another record. It's just interesting when there's a band like this where we all have lives outside of the band. We don't need to make a record so we can tour it. We don't need to make a record so we can pay our bills. I mean, (laughs) we wouldn't be able to pay our bills from fair. That's for dang sure. But... So, you know, it's just one of those things where it has to kind of make sense and it has to happen, right? But I've been talking to Eric, who's the other um, songwriter and guitar player in the band, and, and you know, the other guys too. And we, we kind of have some sort of idea of what it would look like to make another record. And we all have expressed that we would love to do that. So it's just going to be um, a matter of all the pieces falling into place for that to happen. Here's the man himself, Aaron Sprinkle, and fair with the song Disappearing World. A little says a lot when writing from across the world Under the cover of the air Open your letterbox each day to catch a glimpse of me Someone who's trying just to breathe Don't ask my Where is it that your peace comes from? I found it in a disappearing world I found it in a disappearing world I'm running out of time To make a sentimental plea Pass off this trivial affair That made me motion sick To be displaced in history And separated by a stare Don't ask my love 
switching from performing to producing music? That is a really easy question. I I started recording friends bands right out of high school because I thought it was fun. The reason I even learned how to record music at all was just basically to record Poor Old Lou. And then when I graduated from high school, I, I got to use this studio at my church. Um, and then bands sort of found out that you know, that I could record stuff and I started doing that. And then one day I kind of really realized like I would way rather be in here than out there. This is my element. This is what I love. And that kind of anything can happen creative environment where the your palette is unlimited, you know. I just fell in love with it. I did it for so many years without ever making really any money doing it. I mean, I just can't not do it, you know. And uh it was I was crazy to keep doing it. And at some points so I got married really young and had a kid really young and my wife, God bless her, stuck stuck with me through the whole thing. But And then one day I, I really realized that I'd actually really never made any money being in a band. And I'd actually kind of started paying my bills recording people. So I guess it was the opposite. Really embrace the idea of what success is to, you know, when you're young and you have dreams of being a rock star and, and touring the world and stuff. And then when you just get a little bit older and have some responsibilities in your life and you realize that if you just get to do what you love and can pay your bills, then that's really as successful as you ever need to be, <laughs> you know, so. And wives especially like it when you're paying the bills. Yeah, and they do. And and also, really, touring was tough for me. I'm not someone that does well being away from my family for long periods of time. Some guys can do it, and they're it's fine, but I just, I, I can't do it. 
you were not in the studio to hear the singing along with that song. Yeah, I can never get enough of Project 86, which is why I was more than happy to include the Spy Hunter, which was as all the music we aired tonight came from Aaron Sprinkle produced albums. I'm Dave Hawkins, and you've been listening to The Antidote on Trent Radio, 92.7 FM, Peterborough. Recordings of tonight's episode of The Antidote can be found on both iTunes and our website, theantidoteradio.com, 
where you'll also be able to find a complete interview with Aaron Sprinkle, on which we spent some time discussing the state of the music industry. Now, next Wednesday at 9, we're going to head into the musical past with a look at two significant early Christian metal bands, X Center from Los Angeles and Toronto's own Daniel Band. Dan McCabe of Daniel Band and Rex Scott of X Center join us for a roundtable discussion of their styles of metal. But for now, we're going to finish up our talk with Aaron Sprinkle. If you could look at your career from a distance, would you see yourself as a songwriter, a musician, or a producer? I would have to go with songwriter. So the only reason I learned how to barely play the instruments that I play is so I could write songs. And the only reason that I can produce a record is because I can write songs. I don't think I would have ever learned to play an instrument, and I would have never even been able to produce a record if mm-hmm. I wasn't a songwriter. And to me, every it's all about the song. That's the most important thing. I can make a good song into something people are going to want to listen to with a couple 57s and, you know, a, an iPad if I had to. You know what I mean? Like, if it's a yeah. good song, it's a good song. And actually, an iPad probably pretty dang good compared to a lot of other stuff out there right now. But you get what I'm saying. Like, it's all about the song. And to me, that's what I've always tried to focus on the most uh, as a producer. Even when it comes down to the stuff that you would consider production, like guitar parts and keyboard parts and the length of the song, it's all about the song. It's all about featuring the good parts, which is the chords and the vocals and the lyrics. And if they're if those are good, how do you make them the most exciting for people to listen to? There's my long answer to your short question. This is The Antidote. We've been speaking with Aaron Sprinkle. Aaron, I realize how busy your schedule is, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I hope there was something worth listening to in there. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, it was fun. Our last song for the night, Bittersweet by Falling Up. The Antidote will be back next Wednesday.
I'm better.